0: Hello friends, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Mimiverse Monthly Audiocast. I am your host, writer-director Christopher R. Mim, the man behind the films of the Mimiverse, and you are, I'm guessing, a fan of said films. Thank you for that. So, uh, this month, February 2015, I'll be honest, uh, I don't have that much to, to tell you about that is particularly different than last month. Because Danny Johnson Saves the World, the film that will be coming out here in a couple, three months, is still undergoing the editing part of the production. It's it's coming along very nicely. I think we're we're definitely on pace. We're good. As long as nothing horrific happens between now and, you know, the next month or so, I think we'll be sitting pretty and be ready to hold a world premiere in uh, May. We are still shooting for a Wednesday, May 20th date. It's still not completely set in stone, so, you know, you could probably safely put it on your calendar, but uh, I can never say for sure that it's set in stone until, of course, I uh, go down to the theater, the Heights Theater in Columbia Heights, Minnesota, that we've done all our premieres at and, and, you know, sign a contract. But I don't do that until I've actually finished editing a film simply because I don't want to set a date until I know for sure I have something to show people. So that should be coming soon. I would say within the next four to six weeks, all that will fall into place rather quickly. The film itself is 58, no 59, maybe 60. I should say the original script was 57 scenes, but I added three. One is a post credit sequence, so stay through the entire film to see that. Uh, and then two more. One was just a, a quick little thing to flesh out one other part of the, the film, and the other one was something I thought would be cool and add a little more action during a part which I felt needed a little more action. That, as of right now, has not been filmed, but the set for it has been built. So it's just a matter of, and I think within about a week or so, we'll be filming that those those last two scenes the the other scene the the post credit sequence has been filmed uh, it still needs to be edited but it, it's it's in the can the other two just need to be done one's very very short it's it's literally like a shot the other one is a little more intricate but that one that one'll get done otherwise the the film is just it's coming together nicely of those 60 scenes i have if you include the two that have not been filmed i think roughly i have uh, I'd say ten to twelve scenes to edit, add on closing credits, and the film is done. It's coming together nicely. It's really fun. I, I think it's 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 frantically paced and it's it's definitely funny and exciting and goofy and and everything I was hoping for. I really I really am happy and I'm I'm really happy with how the puppets turned out, which I've mentioned many times about using. Puppets in this film. And in fact, if you look at the Mimiverse Monthly newsletter for February of 2015, you'll see that I sent a still from the film to the the guys that handle the newsletter that actually shows the back of one of the Muppet style puppets. So you can get a little idea of what it is we're going for. And I think you can clearly see even from the back because we don't want to give everything away, right? I figure I'll, I'll fully reveal the puppets in the trailer, which should be coming after the film's done. You can see pretty clearly that Muppet-style puppets is definitely what we're doing and what we got. They're fun. The entire thing's fun. I I am seriously excited for people to see it. I'm not sure how it will be received. It is a little bit different. It's still fun. It's still very much 50s, and, and there's going to be some stop motion in there and all the good stuff. But it's, I think, continuing a trend where I'm trying to branch out a little bit. And I think you could say is a trend that began more or less, just recently with The Wall People. One of the things that people have told me and, and reviews have have said about The Wall People is that it's, it surprised people that it ended up being actually kind of a serious film. Most people expect my films to be more goofy, funny, comedic, or at least so bad they're good, whereas I think The Wall People I actually was trying to make something that was a little heavier. And I think I succeeded. And it sounds like from some of the reviews I succeeded, with at least those reviewers, and so I wanted to continue that trend a little bit of branching out without completely reinventing the wheel. I still love working in this, this genre, and there's still a lot of things I haven't done within this genre that I still plan to do at some point, but I haven't done them yet. So that's really the, the big news of what's going on, is just that we're we're plugging away at Danny Johnson Saves the World, and it's coming together beautifully, and and it's going to be fun, and I cannot wait to hold the big premiere. It's going to be a little strange that we're holding it in May, partially because the film itself does have a um, holiday element to it, but not so obnoxiously that it's, it's not like a full-on Christmas movie, Christmas movie. There are some holiday elements to it that I figure, if nothing else, from, from a purely cynical standpoint, would mean that people might be like, hey, uh, it's, it's the holiday time. Uh, We're going to have to watch Danny Johnson Saves the World, (laughs) kind of like Die Hard, which of course is not a pure Christmas movie, but it does take place at Christmas, thus making it a holiday movie and something you can watch year after year. Same thing with Iron Man 3. So I really don't have much to blabber on about this episode that I haven't said before, except I have to mention this. I've been hinting at this heavily on Facebook so far that as far as I've even I've even posted some stuff from it, I have an idea for something I would like to attempt. A Canoe Cops animated short. If you're a fan of the films, a lot of times, inevitably, you tend to be, and most people do tend to be, fans of the Canoe Cops, Sven and Gustav. They were just goofy, somewhat throwaway characters in the monster Phantom Lake, but they're endearing and people love them. And... Seriously, there's not a single event I've gone to in the last almost 10 years that someone hasn't said to me, when are you going to make a canoe cops movie? Well, at some point I would like to, or would, I think it'd be cool, but it's still one of those things where I just, I'm waiting for the right moment and the right story and the right idea. And of course my friend Stephen Sullivan who if you've listened to the other episodes of the audio cast you know that Stephen D Sullivan who is a great author has been writing a serialized novel of the Canoe Cops versus the Mummy and in fact I will tell you right now at the end of this one there's going to be another Canoe Cops adventure this time though uh, it's it's that same Canoe Cops versus the Mummy story however this is a prelude to it so it's actually if you've already heard uh, if you listened last I think last month to the uh, canoe cops versus the mummy, that was actually kind of chapter two of the, of the story. What I'm going to read to you tonight is actually kind of chapter zero to a certain extent. It's the prelude. And then after that, the following month, I will be reading chapter one, which then leads into chapter two, but I will, I will release these in order. So in a couple months in the April episode, I will re-release chapter 2 from last month. It's all confusing, but just basically the point is if you're listening to the Canoe Cops versus the Mummy and you're excited to hear more, start this month and go from here we'll we'll, we'll be continuing this and 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 who knows how long, but it's it's you know Steven Steven's on a roll and and I think he's having a lot of a lot of fun and if you like it, make sure you tell people uh, and tell him Uh, on on Facebook. Find him on social media. He's out there. Go to his website uh, and and let him know that you like this and you want more. Uh, He's very much inspired to continue doing this, and we're, we're hoping to make this into a nice little novella. So we're starting tonight with what would essentially be the very, very beginning of this story of the canoe cops versus the mummy. But anyway, to go back to what I was saying, the canoe cops are very, very popular. I want to find ways to bring them back in some way. And so I started doodling, and I I do um, draw a little bit. Everything I draw ends up being very cartoony. I can't do what I consider serious, realistic art, at least when it comes to drawing. So I thought, well, if I can draw cartoony stuff, why don't I see if I... And I've, I've had an idea for a Canoe Cops cartoon for a very long time. I figured, why not give it a try and see if I could actually pull it off? So if you were on Facebook recently or if you want to go back through some of the old posts, I posted a still from, I did a little bit of a test animation on this concept of the animated canoe cops, and I posted a still from that. And I think it, I think it might work. I think I'm going to actually try it and try and put something together. So if you're excited by this, let me know that you want more. And I may, if I get enough positive feedback, I I may put together an outline of what exactly I'm, want to do with it and, and, and perhaps pursue it a little bit and see if I can't throw together a couple canoe cop shorts. I think when people think of the canoe cops at this point, Mike Cook and Scott Tallman, the actors who played Gustav and Sven respectively are the faces, the voices of the canoe cops. I mean, you, you almost can't necessarily see anyone else playing, especially those characters who are the iconic canoe cops. I talked to both of them recently, and this is the big news. I talked to both of them in the last week, and I asked if they would be interested in reprising their roles as Sven and Gustav for the animated shorts. Mike Cook said yes, and so did Scott. So if I can pull this off and actually write a little script and animate something, the canoe cops themselves will be voiced by the original actors from the films. To me, that's huge. I think that that kind of makes it. That's that right there excites the hell out of me. So I'm I'm hoping that works out. That's all I got as far as big news or news of things going on. This month we unfortunately do not have a classic movie recommendation from Derek Cook of Monster Kid Radio. Life and work and just running Monster Kid Radio and all the cool stuff he has going on there made it so so Derek couldn't get anything to me this this month, but that's okay. We, we still love Derek Cook, and, and we look forward to hopefully future months having more and more stuff. I know he's very much into it, and it's, it's nothing, you know, it's nothing personal or anything. It's just stuff happens, and he didn't get it together, and we're okay with that. I'm okay with that. Derek, keep on keeping on. So instead, we will still have, as before, Dr. Bob Tesla, our host extraordinaire and friend of the Mimiverse, has another bad joke for us at the end of the show. Dr. Bob Tesla, of course, of Midnight Monster Movies with Dr. Bob in Columbus, Ohio. If you're around there, you should check that out. Find him on Facebook. But to fill the time a little bit, we're we're just for fun, to do something a little different, because that was one of the things I, I want to do with this audio cast, to do some slightly different things. I'm going to quick, before we get into the dramatic reading of the prelude to Canoe Cops vs. the Mummy. I would like to do a very, very, very short interview with the star of Danny Johnson Saves the World, Danny Johnson himself, Elliot Mim. Seeing as he is very closely related to me, it was something that I could I could work out on a moment's notice, since Elliot lives in my house because he's twelve and my son. Okay, we're here with Elliot Mim Star Title Star Title Character from Danny Johnson Saves the World. Say hello, Elliot. Hello. Well done, well done. True talent. Tell me, Elliot, what's it like to work with your, your dear old dad on a movie?
1: I don't really know. It's kind of hard.
0: Beca- in a bad way?
1: No, in a good way, because you make sure that I get it right and don't goof off, which is really hard most of the time.
0: So would you say it was extra hard doing it with this movie because you had a bunch of your friends and your brothers and sisters in this?
1: Yes, it was a lot harder.
0: So you're admitting that it was difficult to maintain focus when your girlfriend and your buddy and your little brothers were there? Yes. So you're admitting that that she's your girlfriend?
1: Not answering.
0: (laughs) Okay, so tell us, Elliot, what was your favorite memory of making Danny Johnson Saves the World?
1: Probably filming with the main character, Puppet, because... I had to do, like, the weirdest things.
0: Was it fun working with puppets?
1: Yes, it was.
0: Now, when you're working with puppets, was it hard to ignore the puppeteer, or did you feel like it was easy to to look at that puppet as if it was a real thing, like a character? Or were you having to pretend really hard that that was a real thing, or did you tell us about that?
1: It was kind of both, because sometimes it would be kind of weird like, talking to it like it was real, but at the same time, the more I worked with it, the more I got used to talking to a puppet.
0: So you and the puppet are friends?
1: Yes, we're dear friends.
0: Did you enjoy working with your older brother as the robot?
1: That, I have to say, was probably harder than the puppet because he was in a suit and it was just really weird.
0: Would you work with your dad again in another movie? Yes. Uh, would you do another Danny Johnson movie?
1: Yes, because it is very fun being the main character because you get a lot of lines, but sometimes it's hard to do that.
0: But you did it with flying colors. If we did another Danny Johnson movie, what do you want to save in that one? You saved the world, what do you want to save next? Dinner time? lunchtime maybe? No. The entire uh, universe, perhaps?
1: No. Breakfast.
0: Breakfast. Yes. You heard it here, folks. Danny Johnson saves breakfast, coming in 2019. Thank you, Elliot. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. That was uh, Elliot Mim, star of Danny Johnson Saves the World. And here we go. Now is the time you've probably all been waiting for, or the time you turn it off. I don't, I don't know. Depends on what you listen for. I'd say you should check it out and listen. Stick around. This is the absolute very beginning of the story of Canoe Cops versus the Mummy. So this would be chapter zero, the very, very beginning of the story. And this is entitled The Incident at the Wharf, a.k.a. The Missing Mummy. By Stephen D. Sullivan. Here we go. This is unacceptable, Mister Tyler. Unacceptable. This is not the mummy I was expecting. It is not the right mummy at all. That's what the old guy's saying to me as he stands inside this very office and shakes his nasty-looking walking stick in my face. Well, I guess he's not really old, but he's short and dark and has a little beard, and he's wearing one of those round hats that Egyptian guys like, because I guess that's where he's from. His accent's not too bad, though, and he's dressed up like some Upper East Side Swell. Look, buddy, I say, don't shake that dog-headed cane at me. It's barely 8 a.m., and this ain't my fault. Do you want my help or not? It is not a dog, the gent tells me. It is Anubis, guardian god of the underworld. Well, dog or god, shake that mutt at me one more time, and I'm gonna snap that stick like a toothpick. This ain't no underworld, it's Brooklyn, and we don't get what we want here by being rude to guys that are trying to help us out. He backs off at that, and gives me a little bow. Those eyes are still burning mad. I am terribly sorry, Mr. Tyler. I'm afraid my temper momentarily got the better of me. Please accept my humblest apologies. If that's your way of saying you're sorry, I accept, I tell him. Now, what's all this about your mother being missin'? Not my mother, he says. My mummy! The earthly remains of Princess Amunisis, the fairest of the fair. She was to be in the consignment shipped to this squalid dockside warehouse. Yet when I arrived here to inspect my possessions, what did I find? The Eternal One missing, and in her place this miserable specimen fit only for duty as a guard dog. Your mummy's been replaced by a guard dog? I ask. Not a literal dog, you... My good man. The mummy Rahotep a member of the royal guard put to death so that the princess should not go alone into the underworld. Jeez, that's rough, I say. Imagine being capped if your boss bought in. That's some kind of tough break. Indeed, though I doubt that the ancient Egyptians considered it so. To many of them, it would have been a form of high honor. Well, it's an honor I'm glad we ain't got nowadays, I tell him. So instead of your mummy, I guess you got a daddy, right? I smile at him and laugh. But this Hawas guy... Did I mention that's his name, Ardath Hawas? He said he was a doctor or a professor or some like that. Anyway, this Hawas guy doesn't seem too amused. The important thing, he says, nearly shaking his stick at me again before remembering himself, that the princess be returned to me post haste. I did not recover her from the sands of Egypt and ship her and her funerary items to this country only to lose her now. No, I suppose you didn't. I reply, trying to sound all sympathetic. That shipment is in Warehouse 9, though, right? Nobody's come through there on my watch lately, but let me see what I can find. So I rifle through the warehouse office records, because, you know, I'm not just a guard. I gotta do stuff like that when the boss is out, which is most of the time. And pretty soon, I turn up exactly what I'm looking for. See here, I say, pointing at the lines in the register. There's only been one visit to that warehouse lately. A week ago. A week, he says, interrupting. But I was still in Egypt then, arranging the final details of my visa. I continue, ignoring him rudely cutting me off, and it wasn't me who checked it in. It was Ralph Norton, our night guy. Hey, that's funny. The signature for who Ralphie led into the warehouse is missing. We're in luck, though. Ralph ain't punched out from his shift yet. We can ask him. So I use the PA system to ring up Ralph, and in two shakes he comes through the very door in front of which you are now standing, officer. Hey, Lonnie, he says to me. What's up? Mr. Hawass here seems to think that some of his property has gone missin', I reply. Ralph crosses his arm over his chest, looking real skeptical. Ralphie don't much like foreigners, you see. Oh yeah, he says. What took it on the lamb? Hawass looks annoyed, because Ralph don't seem to be taking this seriously. A very valuable artifact, Hawass says. The mummy of Princess Amunisis. Oh, that wrinkly old dame? Ralph shoots back. She ain't missin'. Her owner came and got her. What?! Hawasco's goes so red, I think he's going to burst a blood vessel. Sure, Ralph replies. He stopped by about a week ago. Had all the right papers. So he picked up the old gal and took her home. How come it don't say that in the book here? I ask, tapping my finger on the line with a in person's John Henry Utterby. Ralph shrugs. See, it's like this. The guy that came by, he tipped me a link in to maybe fill out the form later. Something about avoiding unnecessary alimony or something. "'Something about larceny, you mean,' Hawas says, shaking old Anubis at both of us. "'Who is this infidel that dares to kidnap the princess?' "'This guy wasn't into infidelity,' Ralph tells Hawas. "'I don't think he was even married. "'In fact, he was a very respectable gent, "'Dr. Cecil Zuko of the Minneapolis Museum of Antiquities. "'He showed me his ID papers and everything.' "'Hawass is really cooking now. "'Veins are bulging on his neck and his face is nearly purple. "'Zuko was not to take the princess,' he fumes.' Rahotep was to be his museum's allotment from the two mummies recovered. Can you not tell the difference between a male mummy and a female one, you cretin? With their wrappings on, they all look the same to me, Doc, Ralph says, flashing me a wink. I can see that Hawass wants to hit Ralphie with old dog face on a stick, but he doesn't. The little guy gets points from me for holding back. Instead, he just stares daggers at Ralph and says, Dr. Zuko has made a very grave error. A very grave error indeed. I shall send a truck around in the morning to collect the remainder of my possessions, such as they are. Please see to it that nothing more goes missing in the interim. He gives a little bow to me again and turns to go, but Ralphie calls. Hey, is that nutty chick that's been roaming around the place with you too, Doc? Hawa stops. Nutty? Chick? Yeah, that chippy dressed up like she's from Egypt or something. I seen her wandering around your warehouse nine last few nights. Couldn't catch her, though. She's one quick twist. Hawass looks puzzled for a moment, but then he smiles. No, that twist, as you call her, is not with me. Perhaps she is one of your working-girl friends. Ralph scowls at him. Not this dame. She's real high-class broad. Tanned skin, made up to the nines, sportin' this almost nothin' dress that get you arrested if you wore it up in Boston. Looks Egyptian, like someone you might hang with, pal. Maybe she's a buff, I suggest. Ralphie laughs. She was nearly in the buff, all right. A buff, Hawass asks. You know, one of those people who takes too much of a fancy to something, like those UFO contactees. Maybe she heard you had your Egyptian stuff stashed here and she dropped by to give it a look-see. That seems highly unlikely, Hawass replies. Good day, gentlemen. And with nothing more than a nod, he leaves. Ralph leans on the office desk. I don't care what that mook took. He knows that dame. You think everybody knows every dame, I reply. Why don't you punch out, brother? We ain't authorized for no overtime, you know. Ralphie laughs and heads for the time clock. And that's the last i seen of him until I found him dead this morning. It was awful. Him lying there with his neck snapped and his eyes gouged out. Scratched out, the officer says, scribbling a few more notes on his pad. Not gouged out, and no other signs of violence on him. I shake my head, trying to wipe the memory of my pal's twisted corpse from my brain, You think it was that Hawass guy, I ask? He didn't seem too pleased with what Ralphie had done. Our boys put the time of death around midnight, the cop tells me. Hawass was at a party at the Met until well past one. Hundreds of people saw him. A photographer from the Post even took his picture. Maybe it's that weirdo girl then, I suggest. I ain't seen any sign of her, but Ralphie swore he had. Maybe she's some kind of psycho. We'll look for her, I promise you. Though this doesn't seem like the type of crime that a girl would or could commit. You ain't saying it was me, are you? Cause I loved Ralphie like he was my own brother. Besides, I was playing poker in the back room at Sheldon's Tap until almost three. You can ask anybody there. I assure you, you are not currently a suspect, Mr. Tyler. So what then? You think it was some kind of supernatural hoodoo curse? You think-you think Ralph got scragged cause he sent the wrong stiff off to Minnesota? You think the mummy done it? The cop laughs and shakes his head. No, Mr. Tyler. The supernatural is the one possibility that I'm totally sure we can rule out. Dun, dun, dun. That is the end of that story for now. That's the prelude. Fantastic stuff. I cannot wait to see. Here's the thing. I don't really have anything to do with uh, how this story is coming together. And so I'm, a a lot of times, I'm, I'm kind of waiting to experience these as I read them to you. So I can't wait to find out what happens. Anyway, that is the end of our show for this month. Thank you for listening. I would be remiss if I did not mention that contributor credits for Danny Johnson Saves the World are still available, but will only be probably for the next month. As the film wraps up, that's it. That's when we cut it off. So if you'd like to contribute to the film, it's not a huge commitment, but you get some cool stuff. You know, you get your name in the movie, you get a DVD or or a, or a ticket to the premiere, you get a cool certificate, plus your name or your loved one's name or your business's name, forever immortalized in a motion picture. How cool is that? Imagine how cool that would be. You need to do that. If you're enough of a fan of my films that you're listening to this and you've made it to the end of the fourth episode of this, I highly recommend you consider contributing to to the film because your contributions make them possible. Making independent 1950 style B movies is not as lucrative as you might imagine, <laughs> which is to say they're not lucrative at all. But Through sales of DVDs and contributors, they at least feed themselves and make themselves possible. And if you would like to see, you know, animated Canoe Cops stories, maybe a Canoe Cops movie at some point in the future, help keep this going. So thank you very much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you, believe it or not. I really do. Be good. But if you can't be good, at least be good at it. Good night. It is I, Dr. Bob Tesla, with your Miniverse AudioCast Joke of the Month. A man goes to see the doctor and he says, Doctor, I can't stop singing She's a Lady and What's New Pussycat? The doctor hmm, sounds like Tom Jones Syndrome to me. Oh no, the patient replies. Is that common? Well, it's not unusual. Make sure you come out to the Gateway Film Center on February 14th for a mystery monster movie. No one knows what we're going to show. I don't even know. It could be anything. It could be Night of the Living Dead. It could be Star Wars. It could be Heartbeats, keeping with the Valentine's theme that we're doing. You just never know. You have to be there to find out.